This is Behind the Cut with Christopher Grenland, the companion show to Not About Lumberjacks. While I write everything for Not About Lumberjacks and narrate most of it myself, regular listeners know I sometimes rely on help from others. With the latest story, Waking the Lumberjack, being a one-shot audio drama, I brought in a handful of people. Tim Zarnicki, whom I've known for over 30 years, plays the narrator in the episode. Much like the behind-the-cut interview I did with the narrator of the previous November anniversary episode, when I spoke with Michael Howey about narrating The Hide Behind, I thought it would be fun to sit down and chat with Tim. All right, let's get the question that gets to most people out of the way. Tell us who you are, Tim. Okay, uh, that's a big question. I don't have a very interesting answer, I'm afraid. I am a 50-something graphic artist and collector of role-playing game books who most of the time would rather be playing d and I'm with you on that. I mean, we played Dungeons & Dragons every other week at least. At least. Except... For the last month because we had some things come up and it was like yeah. a whole month without D. It was it was very strange, but like when you go a long time without eating sweets or having a drink, for instance, uh when you finally do when you finally get there and you finally get to play again, it's a blast. We had a great game last weekend. One of the best games I one of the best games of D and D I think I've ever played. That was a really I, good I one. Really had a great, great time, but we're not talking about, we should just do a and d podcast someday, but so how did we meet? How did we meet? Uh, we both told the story many times. Um, <laughs> we met at a place called Teach House USA in Denton, Texas, and basically we were glorified door-to-door encyclopedia salesmen targeting especially vulnerable military families near the bases around North Texas, Southern Oklahoma, that kind of area. Yeah, there was that one weekend they put me on a reservation and the first house I went up to seriously had a plywood door with like two things where you could just see somebody twisted a knife to make holes and tied it to a structure with twine. So I knew that was the weekend I was just like, (laughs) I went to the park and I don't know what tribe they were with, but. There were just some guys hanging out at a picnic bench. They had a big cooler. They were cooking. They had beer. And I just hung out with them all day because I, I knew I wasn't going to sell encyclopedias. Well, you, you had it a lot better than I did. I, as you know, from the years and years we've known each other, know that I am a more, probably a more earnest person um, and not in a good way. I mean, earnest in a doofy way. So I really, really tried at this job and I still did not do very well. And my main incident, the incident I will remember the most, is the time I got threatened by magazine salesmen, one of them carrying a tire iron, um, as they told me to get out of the area they were selling stuff in because I was on their turf. It was it was like something out of a movie. Yeah. People only chased me out of neighborhoods thinking I was a child molester. Oh, that that's probably just about as bad. I mean, with me, it was like shitty Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. You know, it's like yeah, <laughs> or like something out of you know an eighties John Cusack. You know, with the two dollars, these guys are coming at you with you know tire irons and stuff. It's like and they yeah, just that they were magazine salesmen chasing out an encyclopedia. 
I mean, yeah. that's like the stuff of parody. Uh, it, it is. And I, I think it would make a very interesting story. Um, maybe another not about lumberjack story. Who knows? Hey, that's actually a good idea. <laughs> well, it was certainly interesting. But I will say that the best thing that happened was that I met Chris working at this place. And I think one of the things that we we don't we talk about meeting there but what really catalyzed our friendship i would say is i had been living in denton and you know whenever when everything went um belly up at a teach house for all of us we all yeah, kind of left around all... the same time i was going to have to leave denton and move back to a small town far far south of hillsboro yeah, yeah far south of the dfw area called hillsboro uh, i was going to have to move back with my parents now in my defense, the alternatives were living in my car or couch surfing, which was not really a thing back in the late 80s, I think that was. Yeah, it was late, like 88, 89. Yeah. yeah, but I happened to be driving home with probably the last of the stuff that I had in my apartment up in Denton. And I happened to be, it just so happened that Chris was driving on the same highway. This is a highway, mind I you. I was coming off. I was actually coming home from a job at the Sprout Farm, getting on 35, and I was like, that looks like Tim's car. So this guy chases me down in the car. We pull over to the side of the road, and we chit-chat for a little while, and basically one thing led to another, and he invited me to come up and visit them, and I met a whole group of friends that were really my formative friends, my friends from my late 20s to mid-30s you know, that was where I met many other people that became such a huge part of, of who I am today. And if it weren't for Teach House USA and Chris chasing me down on a highway, it would never have happened. So there you go. Well, neither of us believe in destiny, but that's right. That's probably the closest I'll ever come to going. Eh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you think when I came to you asking if you wanted to play the narrator in Waking the Lumberjack? Obviously, I was very flattered. I have listened to Not About Lumberjacks for quite some time, um, as well as um, Hell Comes with Pendle Doors, which we also enjoyed quite a bit. My my wife is the one who got me to listen yeah. to that the whole way through. But Not About Lumberjacks is just the perfect length for me to listen to. It's a perfect length story for me to listen to while I'm working. Generally, I don't listen to uh, actual stories because I lose the thread too quickly if it's a long form story. So this is that's one of the main reasons I started listening. Plus, it's you. So, of course, I'm going to listen because um, I love it. I love your sense of humor. I love the way you think. And that just is a way for me to enjoy it when you're not around. So, yeah, I was flattered. All right. Very, very cool. You did a very great job. And that's not just me saying it. Other people who listen really loved what you did. Do you have any background in acting? I mean, like you could even go way back. Well, I have to go way back. Uh, you know that when uh, we've talked about it every once in a while, uh, when I was in high school, uh, I got involved in drama. I didn't really think I would be the kind of person to be good at it. I was relatively shy at that point. But once I did it, I was hooked and I really loved it. And even before then, back in the days of cassette tapes, I would record myself being all of the characters in a in an offbeat episode of the Bugaloos or Sim, uh, Sigmund of the Sea Monsters or something weird like that and play it for my little sisters who thankfully were young enough that they thought everything I did was hilarious and they laughed <laughs> all the way through despite how goofy it probably really was. 
Man, that would be great to hear some of those old tapes. I don't I don't know if those even still exist anymore. My sister and I, when I got one of the big oversized Star Wars comic books, we divvied up different roles and we did like a dramatic reading of the Star <laughs> Wars comic. I wish I, I think the only tape I have thinking about it is my friends up north, the Cassiopo brothers, crank calling people. And at one point, my friend Paul and I th threatened to beat up his little brother unless he sings Run to the Hills by Iron Maiden. So I have him <laughs> under forced duress singing Run to the Hills. It's it's horrible. If I think that's the only cassette I have from my youth. That that sounds like something that would have been very popular back in the 80s to do on like the zoo radio type shows. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, but it was like really stupid crank calls because we were seventh eighth graders but that's the best time it, it really is so um we you know we've known each other 30 years we used to do comic books together tim's done logos and art that i've used in presentations he was actually this is not tim's first appearance on not about lumberjacks he was one of two people in episode 16, Bobo, the one about the clown who yelled, fuck you, clown, Tim and his son. But it's been a long time since we really sat down and collaborated on something together. So how was it again working with each other for you? Oh, it was fantastic. That's one of the things I miss most about being really about being in my late 20s, early 30s was the time that you and I and Mark would spend uh, working on comic books and and other projects together. Sometimes just anything that we worked on, I had a good time. I really felt like I really felt that you and Mark really pushed me to be a better artist back then. And you listened to my ideas when I had them. As you know, I'm a wellspring of ideas that come and go quickly. And if I don't do something with them right away, they usually drop off to the wayside very, very quickly. But yeah, I, I love collaborating with you again. It was a blast. No, I, I had a complete blast too. Cause the same thing. I mean, that whole time of our lives was neat because somebody would come up with an idea and instead of just, you know, now that we're like all in our, well, I'm in my, I'm 49. Tim's in his early fifties. We're all in our forties and fifties. You don't have really that ability to be like back then where, oh, I've got this idea and, you know, then you talk about it and then you move on. Back then it was like, I've got this idea and then your friends are like, all right, let's do it. And right. next thing you know, the very night you come up with the idea, it's like, holy crap, Tim's already done concept sketches of the characters and all this. And that collaboration is something as a novelist. And even just doing this, because most of it is just me narrating. So actually putting something together with other people was a lot of fun and kind of reminded me of those times. Right. I agree. Obviously, I've wanted to work on something with you for some time. In this case, the voice that you use for the narrator, what really hit me where it's like, we have to get Tim was we play Dungeons and Dragons every other week. And one week, Tim just came up with this voice. And, you know, it was a little bit different than what you hear in the episode. But driving home, my wife was even like, you have to get Tim to do something for Not About Lumberjacks. And I was like, well, I mean, November, I always do for the anniversary of the show. 
I always do something that is not about lumberjacks, even though the word lumberjack often appears quite a bit in there. So uh, how much time do you put in voices for the Dungeons and Dragons games that we play? And did that really help you in the role? I think it did. And I think it would probably help me in other roles. It's a little different in that when I'm doing the, the voices for our D&D game, it, A, all of the dialogue is improvised. And when I'm sitting at the table, it's usually just me interacting with you guys. So it's much easier for me to kind of stay in that character, than that character's headspace and maybe do the voice more consistently. I think when I was, when I was listening back, I was, all I could think to myself was I needed to slow it down just a little bit, but I don't ever hear myself at the table except when I listen to the games that we play, which Chris is nice enough to record. That lets me hear what, I, how I'm doing on my voices. And I practice them all the time. I practice them when I'm in the shower. I do voices when I'm working at my desk because I'm by myself most of the time talking to my dog. I was going to say, but you have the dog. I have one two, of whom is deaf. One of whom is deaf and doesn't hear me anyway. But when I'm, my, when my lips are moving, he always looks at me like I'm saying something to him. So I forget he's deaf sometimes. I practice voices all the time. I think it helps quite a bit. I think it helps you when you're playing D and D as a, as a dungeon master, I'm sure this is true of most game masters, that, especially ones that do silly voices at the table. You have a vision in your head of what this character's like. So you start imitating the, the, the gestures, the facial tics you think this character might have. And that helps make the voice consistent when you're at the table. It's a little bit different when you're sitting in front of a, a microphone, especially when you're not used to doing it, which this was the first time I had ever recorded anything for a podcast. So. It was unusual, but I think it did help. No, and it was it was really cool because I also sometimes run games, but one of the things with my voice is even though it's, you could kind of usually tell it's me because I sort of always sound a little stoned or something, even though I don't get high, even if we're legal, not my thing, but hey, we have stories about that from back, <laughs> back when we were younger and the reason that it's not a good idea for me to get stoned, but anyway... Like my voice, I even if I try to do other voices, I have such a limited range. And that's one of the things that I think is really impressive. And I think it's one of the reasons I ask this is I know you practice and you have that ability to just do all these different voices. And I think that's one of your strengths. And it's one of the reasons that it's like, ah, let Tim be the dungeon master. He's more fun than... <laughs> I don't think that I'm necessarily more fun, but I'm glad you guys let me be the DM. It's a lot of fun for me. I think the only person that you had ever heard from the episode that you were in was Michael Howey. And that's because he's on a, an actual play podcast called The End of Time and Other Bothers. But what was it like hearing your voice mixed in with other people, most mostly people that you don't even know? It was interesting. I felt like as the narrator, there wasn't as much interaction between the my character in the audio drama and the other characters. When I listened back, I thought it was really, it was neat thinking that, oh, Chris just recorded his lines and then so-and-so recorded their lines and he just mashed all this together. And to me, that's a kind of magic that I just don't quite understand. So it seemed amazing to me. It did make it obvious to me when I was listening that I really needed to slow myself down a little bit 
and I, and I wished that I had a more interesting natural voice. Like I said, when I hear me, when I listen to my voice, I hear me. That's all I yes. can hear. And so, oh, I hear a guy who is uh, talking through his nose and probably talking too fast and doesn't matter what character I think I'm trying to do. That's what I hear in my head. It, at first, I was a little nervous about how I was going to stack up next to these people who do actual play podcasts, who do voiceover work, who are really trained in this sort of thing, because I'm definitely an amateur, but it was neat to hear. No, I, I had a blast putting it together and just hearing everybody come together and, you know, just kind of going back to the Game Master thing. The other person who, even though you only hear him as the nice guy who comes up asking for autographs. Uh, my friend Rocky Westbrook, he's a game master and he's kind of like you. He has that ability to just do so many different voices. So I guess if there's a point there, it's become a game a game master for a role playing game and just practice those voices because you get you definitely get the opportunity every couple of weeks. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So now that you've done this once, if I ever came to you and said, hey, Tim, I have a role for you. Would you want to do this again? Absolutely. I would do it again in a heartbeat. I would uh, probably even practice more than I did and uh, maybe have to go buy a cassette player so I could uh, record myself beforehand to really nail the voice. No, no, definitely. I understand that. I do have two things sometime in the future i mean obviously i'm wrapping up a novel right now but one of them is sadly you'd be playing an old man which i think i do a good old man voice it comes naturally to me <laughs> the saddest thing is that we're starting to reach that age where we just do our normal voices i mean it's somebody's grandpa so but the other one is a demon and the, the, actually that whole demon thing came again from a D D character that cracked me up that and it's like god that voice has to be in like uh, an audio drama or even a, a short series because it cracked me up so i'm glad that if i come to you and say hey i've got an idea for you that you're willing to do it again absolutely so if you listen to chris on a regular basis and don't want to hear my voice again let him know right now <laughs> Nah, everybody would want to hear you again especially doing a demon <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to think about how the demon acts. Yeah, well, he's he's an ass. He's pretty much the ca the character that you I can't even remember. Oh, the Mephits. Yeah, the Mephits that, that wanted to eat babies. Yeah, the one that I want to eat a baby. I want to eat a baby. That guy just cracked me up. It was like Louis De Palma from you know Taxi and <laughs> cross with a demon and. Well, just be thankful you only have to hear me do it every couple of weeks. My wife has to hear me do goofy voices all the time and. I don't know if she thinks it's as charming. <laughs> I'm, yeah, yeah, maybe not. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Okay. Well, is there anything else you want to say, Tim, before uh, we go? No, just thank you for the opportunity to be on Not About Lumberjacks and to sit down and have a conversation with you and for sharing beer with yes. me, the time you and I and your lovely wife got to spend chatting beforehand. Excellent. And speaking of beer, there's one more beer, so... We're going to go drink it. Woohoo! Writing fiction is lonely work. I'd not be the writer, or even the person I am today, had I not met Tim Zarnicki. The times mentioned in the interview when Tim, his roommate Mark Phelps, and I were inseparable were some of the most important years of my writing life. 
Last year, when I interviewed Michael Howey for the Behind the Cut episode for The Hide Behind, I mentioned a line from Robin Sloan's book, Mr. Penumbra's 24-Hour Bookstore, that goes, There is no immortality that is not built on friendship and work done with care. Those times working with Tim early on when I started writing will always live on in me. It was such a pleasure working with him again. Thank you for listening to Not About Lumberjacks and Behind the Cut. Theme music for Behind the Cut is a tune called Reaper by Razen. Visit nolumberjacks.com for information about the music, the episodes, and the voice talent. Next week, in honor of Christmas, I'm bringing back the literary stocking stuffers in the form of a handful of microfiction stories. Until then, be mighty and keep your axes sharp.